Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, brought to you as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. It has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Sean Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 390, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. No, and I can tell you right off, we are going to dazzle and entertain you today because we've already been entertaining each other and we, we weren't <laughs> even recording. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, I heard you chuckle when you started. I did. Because people, that's because we did a great open of the podcast just, just amongst ourselves. I mean, y'all, y'all should have heard it. It was great. It was great. We were talking about just <laughs> travels and world. I mean, we talked about this before because we've had my brother on the podcast before because he's a world traveler. And I was telling Jacques, he just spent two weeks in Colombia, in right. Medellin, Colombia. You know, the Medellin cartel. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the first words out of my mouth. Did he get some good coca? I know. And I was like, man, I, I you know, my brother, and he goes into places. I mean, he, he goes in country. You know, he's yeah, not he's, staying he, at the yeah, five-star resort on the beach. He's going in-country. Which is wild. I mean, it is, dude. And then he gets back. I think he was in Austin for one or two days and immediately flew out to Denver to go visit a buddy that lives in Boulder. And not Dion, but hang out in that area <laughs> for a while. Yes. I was like, man, do you ever... Like, why have an apartment? Do you need a place in Austin? Just <laughs> like, in case. Text right off. I guess so, man. Something, but... Yeah, this is going to be fun. It's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to you, my friend. And we, Same to you, brother. I appreciate that. I'd say we're, we're two pretty kick-ass dads. I think we do a good job. Right. I, think, uh, I think we had good examples, and then uh, I think we uh, try to be present and spend time. And to me, that's always the most important thing. Can you spend time with your kids? Not give them gifts. I mean, that's all cool, but can you give them the gift of time, however you get it to them? And uh, it's a little more difficult since you're in Birmingham, but you get it done. Yeah. Uh, so, no, nah, man, I salute all. It's hard to be a parent. Don't come with no manual. Uh, everybody do the best that they can. But you know dads who kicking ass, taking names when you see them and when you hang with them and when you talk with them. And uh, I'm very fortunate that I got a lot of friends who are uh, terrific dads. Yeah, man, it, it's wild because I've had my son for about the last three weeks again for the, the whole next week. And then we're going to, he'll be headed back next weekend, but he's 12 years, 12 and a half years old now. And he finally has reached a point on call of duty where he's better than me. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. He's like, why play online? He's like, you're not very good at this. I'm like, you know, it takes me a minute. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, yeah, I mean, what do you want from me, man? Like, yes, you are better than me. Wow. I don't know what to say. You know, pretty good at this. I mean, that's (laughs) it's what it is. I mean, he has finally surpassed my video gaming skills in that realm. Uh, what's funny about that is you made me remember, uh, and this is how long ago it was. Me, I was playing a lot of uh, college football, EA Sports, whatever, whatever it was, 14. Uh, so my dude was, what, about 11. And um, I made the mistake of saying, we were playing, I was trying to teach him how to beat his friends. Hey, man, you got to quit going forward on fourth and 20. And, you know, when you see the safeties do this, they're playing yeah. too deep zone. So just take all the underneath stuff and, I said, hey, man, run the ball because none of your friends run the ball, so they don't know how to stop it. I showed him, here's a couple of really good running plays you can use, da-da-da-da. And he took all that under my man, under under, uh, under advisement, and uh, I didn't think anything else about it. And then about two months later, hey, Dad, you got some time? Yeah, 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 what's up? Let's go play. Okay. And that little fucker beat me something like 31 to 14. And I said, oh. And then he talked trash the whole time he did it. Hey, let's run it back, Dad. I forgot. I got to do some work, son. Uh, that was the last time we played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been playing a lot of it, and then we finally just started playing on the same team because there was no point for us in, in Call of Duty anyway. Like, I still beat him in the sports games. Although, to be fair, he whipped my ass in Madden the other day. When we, and I don't know what was going on. It, it, something was fake with the computer, I think. I, 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 yeah. I don't know what was going on. Like, I was playing, and I threw, like, four interceptions in a row. I was like, this is ridiculous. And it got... I mean, he was blowing me out. It was like 42 to two or 42 to three at, at halftime. I was like, F this. Man. That field goal make you feel good? No. <laughs> Felt stupid. I was getting irritated with you. I was like, all right, I'm done. He's like, no, you got to play the whole game. That's what you always tell me. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't throw your lines. You back know, I mean, it's. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, dude, it's interesting when because he's becoming, you know, 12 years old. He's almost a teenager. Right. And he's starting to get a little bit of that teenage. Like, we're at the store the other day, and he wanted to get, like, a certain type of bread. And I was like, nah, we're not going to eat that. And he, he just goes, well, I want it. I'm going to eat it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to. He goes, well, if you're not going to eat it, what do you care if I get it? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's a valid point. Why do I care if you get it? I was like, you want to eat that? Knock yourself out. <laughs> we'll get the exact bread that you want. But I told him, like, you're going to eat every piece of it. <laughs> And he's like, fine. I, I like mean, it. there it is. So, but let's get rolling here. And before we do that, Greening Law, my friends, we tell them about you each and every time. And who knows, maybe this was the weekend, like it was for me almost two years ago, where somebody runs a light, smashes into you, and you find yourself like, holy crap, I've got all these medical bills from something that wasn't my fault. Or you're standing in line in a business and uh, the ceiling fan falls off and lands on you. You're like, what in the world is this? Now I got all these medical bills. <laughs> That's why personal injury lawyers exist, because the insurance companies are a beating to have to navigate. And Robert Greening and his team, the green team at Greening Law, they're experts at that, of guiding you through, having gone through it, a very lengthy, a very tedious process. You need an expert with you. You need Greening Law. No, man. And the thing about Greening Law and the thing that we've told you about the whole time is, They'll ride with you. And that's what Matt's talking about. When, when you're going through this process, you want somebody who can hold your hand, tell you when to turn left, when to turn right. How about this? When to just be still. 
And then how about this? If something's coming up, here's what's coming up. So don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. We got it. Uh, and the way you get that relationship is if you're involved in something like Matt's talking about, it could be a litany of things. If you get hurt away from your house and it's not your fault, call them and check. 972-934-8900. Y'all probably know the number by now. You tell them your situation. Hey, fellas, lady, here's my situation. Boom. If they bring you on as a client, it's a great day for you. Check this out now. They don't get paid. They don't get nothing. Not a nickel, not a dime, not a quarter unless you get paid. It's hard to beat that deal. It is. That consultation, absolutely free. Give them a call. You think you got a case? Find out. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. So we're going to start off with the little Texas Rangers today as here we are halfway through June and those Texas Rangers continue to be in first place, which is nice. And what's crazy about that is they're in first place after having the worst stretch so far that they've had this season. They're three and seven in their last 10. They did knock off Toronto on Saturday, which was fantastic. But this is a team that just, they're going through a rough patch a little bit. The good news is the Astros are also three and seven in their last 10 and have lost three in a row. So the Rangers, despite struggling in the last couple of weeks, still have a four and a half game lead over the Astros in the American League West. Right, right, right. And uh, now just uh, here's how I operate. This is me. Um, I'm like, I try to treat myself like a player. How about that? (laughs) Which is, I don't really even look at the standings all that much because the only thing I care about if I'm following the Rangers is, check this out, are they playing good baseball? And you mean, no, they're losing. Yeah, okay. Baseball is hard, so you're going to lose. Are they playing good and losing, though? Are they, are they, do they look like a real team? They look like a real contender, championship team, even though they're losing games. And the answer to me, for the most part, has been yes. Meaning, like, you, don't, you haven't seen them lose a lot of games, and you go, oh, my God, four errors? They look like shit out there. Where's the focus? Where's the mm-hmm. concentration? You know, they lost two to one the other day. That happens in baseball, man. They lost whatever they lost to the, uh, to the Angels. I think most of those games were pretty taut going into the later innings, and they just they couldn't get a big hit. I think they were uh, hitting something like 170 in their last 10 games with runners in scoring position. And while you can get mad at that and be like, oh, da, 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 do you realize they still lead the league in offense and runs scored and yeah. runners and hitting with runners? This is baseball. It's the long season. There's ebb and flow to it. And um, you just have to understand that, and you have to look at the big pictures and see if your team is still playing good baseball, which to me they are. They're just going through a rough patch right now. They are indeed. One of the positives in all of this, of course, and this is going to be interesting to see because they continue to put out all-star votes and whatnot, and this upcoming week is when the top two at each position will move on, and then it'll basically be between the two. Well... Josh Young is second in third baseman in votes. He's less than 5,000 behind Toronto's Matt Chapman, which means there's a good chance that he'll advance to the final round. The Rangers have never had in their history a rookie starter in an all-star game. And Josh Young, and, and look, rightfully so. I mean, this is a dude hit his 14th home run of the season on Saturday. He's obviously, I mean, right now he would win American League Rookie of the Year. He's one of the best third basemen in the, in the American League for sure already. And that would, be, that would just be something 
to see a dude like Josh Young, a former first round pick of the Rangers, if he ends up getting the votes to be the first ever rookie starter for a, for the Rangers in an All Star game, dude. But he's earning it. He is. Yeah, he's totally. Playing terrific. He's got he's got the glove. He's got the bat. And uh, how about this, man? It looks like he belongs out there. Like, and we say this a lot with a lot of different athletes. Uh, you and I both. Um, we said it with uh, what was it, Ben DiNucci all the time. Like. That dude needs to slow the hell down. The game is moving too fast yeah. for him. He can't get settled. Well, Josh Young, man, that dude has felt like the game has not been too big for him since he showed up this season. Now, maybe it was a little big for him at times uh, last year but uh, when he had a few opportunities. But this year, he's, the game is – he feels like the game is right on him. And uh, he feels like – he it looks like he belongs. And, um, you know, there's nothing fluky to his game. There's, you know, he's not hitting 400 one month. Everything is just pretty consistent, man, and he looks like a player. He does, which is awesome. So we'll keep an eye on that and, and see. Because Look, even if he doesn't get voted in as a starter, there's a really good chance that they may select him as a reserve, which would be kind of awesome. But one thing when you look at the Texas Rangers from where they were the last couple of years to where they are, the biggest difference, and I thought this when they brought this dude in, I was so stoked I couldn't wait. It, it, of, of all the available candidates that could have taken over to run this thing, they got the one guy that I think a lot of Rangers fans, myself included, was really, really hoping would want to do this. And that's Bruce Bochy. And general manager Chris Young calls Bruce Bochy the biggest free agent acquisition we've made. It's hard to disagree with that. And there was an in-depth article that Ken Rosenthal did on Bruce Bochy last weekend in The Athletic, and I mean an in-depth article. And right. you, you talk about learning some things about this guy, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense because we're talking about a 68-year-old manager who, yes, of course, has won three World Series. I think a lot of people forget before he won three World Series with the Giants, he took the Padres to the World Series back in 98 when they lost to the, the juggernaut that was the Yankees. I mean, that's only right. the second time in the Padres' history that they've been in a World Series. So this is a dude that's got three rings. He's won over 2,100 games, whatever it is, in, in, in his career, over 2,000 games, which is top 10 all time. I mean, this is a dude that walks in and carries a lot of clout and experience. Nah, he's terrific, man. But I think uh, when, you, uh, when you read that story, the thing I come away with it from, and this is... I think with every outstanding manager, Hall of Fame caliber manager, it's, it's his ability to touch people and relate to people and understand that different people need different things. And if you listen to him, now check this out, people. If you listen to him during this stretch where they've gone three and seven and had, had some bad luck and lost some games, he really doesn't sound much different than when they were knocking the cover off the baseball and they went nine and one during the stretch and they were killing people. And to me in baseball with that 162 game season, it's that even keel, that never too high, never too low mentality that ultimately helps you survive the ebb and flow of the season that we spend all the time talking about. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is the second oldest manager in the game behind Dusty Baker. It's a guy that took three full seasons off after he walked away from the San Francisco Giants back at the end of the 2019 season. And it's just some of the things that jump out in this article, like the fact that he doesn't take notes. He doesn't do yeah. any of that. And, and 
he just remembers it all. And, and Mike Maddox, of course, the Rangers pitching coach, said that he has played or worked under 24 managers as a player or a coach. And he cannot recall having ever been around another manager who kept everything in his head. Now, look, he, he, he brings notes from meetings and whatnot and things like that. But during the game, he doesn't really write anything down because he's focused on what's happening and doesn't want to miss anything. Yeah, which is uh, which is interesting. And, and, you know, it speaks to his engagement. Also speaks to his memory in terms of I think sometimes people write that down because they can't remember it. Um, but he may have that kind of memory where he's more like a golfer, where he literally remembers every pitch, every yeah. out, everything going to a game. And, that you know, I, I think it was a catcher as a big leaguer. And so that may just carry over from all of that where you've got to remember in the ninth inning what the guy hit in the first inning and what he swung and missed at in the fourth inning. Uh, so that you can get him out in the ninth inning. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. And and one of the things, and I think that this makes a lot of sense, is the reality of going from, and, and look, I mean, we'd, we'd talked to, to Chris Woodward a couple of times when we were doing the radio show. I remember interviewing him when they announced him as the Rangers manager, and he had a lot of positivity. He was going to be a guy that could come in and help the the younger guys understand the analytics and all that type of thing. And it's obvious that it wasn't going to work out. Part of that, to be fair, is the Rangers were going through a rebuilding process. I think that they were very disappointed where where they wound up last year. They were not expecting to be as bad as they were last year. But going from somebody like that to a future Hall of Fame manager like Bruce Bochy, who can run in and throw rings on the table, you kind of understand that the power of what that matters with the players and it's interesting, too, like Nathaniel Lowe is in here saying that when they brought him in, he stood before his team and, and gave a speech. And Nathaniel Lowe has been in the majors for a while, says, I hate to say this, but it was the only manager's speech that didn't feel like he was forced to say something. The guy genuinely wanted to say something. John Gray said it was really empowering. It felt like I was a part of something way bigger than myself. Yeah, I think that comes from having rings and having credibility. And that's why those guys get hired. Because when you show up, you listen to what I say because I've proved to you that I can do it at the highest level and I can get you something and take you a place where you've never been before. And that's what most big leaguers want. That's what most professional athletes want. I want a ring. If I don't get a ring, I at least want to be competing for a ring. Can you help me get there? Can you help me do that? And if you can, you get their respect and their attention right off the bat. And I think that's what, uh, what Bochy's done, no doubt. Yeah, their backup, like bullpen catcher or whatever, he, he says when he stood up in front of the group for the first time, there was no question who was driving the bus. I think that that was something our team needed or our organization needed. It was definitely eye-opening and awakening. Now, you say that, and I think I sent you something and I mm-hmm. circled that. Yeah, you did. And that's because who was driving the bus last year? John Daniels. And you're like, oh, hey, he was a GM. No, nah, man. Everybody knows that J.D. or one of J.D.'s, you know, whatever it was, Chris Woodward by himself was not filling out the lineup card talking about, hey, here's what I want to do. It was J.D. and his crew helping him fill it out Mm -hmm. or making suggestions that were really like, this is what we want you to do. And I remember, like, I believe this. I don't know if it's true, but I believe it. Like, I think Bruce Bochy has everybody on his staff that he wants. And I say that because I remember asking J.D. one time, and it's probably my naivete that I didn't follow up with better questions. I was like, 
it see, I remember asking him something to the effect of, it seems like you're hiring the staff and not the manager. He goes, yeah, we do that in the big leagues because, you know, blah, 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 whatever reason he gave me. Yeah. I just thought it was odd. Like, why do you get that? <laughs> Number one, that means, like, you got a never-ending list of snitches in your locker room because they – is what we talk about Jerry Jones all the time because you're not reporting to the coach. You're reporting to the owner or, in this case, the GM. And that's to me, that's just never a good situation. And so, to me, it's much more – it's a much better situation now where everybody knows basically the buck stops with Bochi. Like, you don't need to circumvent him, go sit up there and talk to Chris Young. He ain't going to help you out. Yeah. It's Bochi's team. It's what Bochi believes. And I think that's good for everybody. Yeah. And, and again, just the amount of respect that somebody like that commands. And I get why they wanted to go with Woodward. It's understandable, but it, it wasn't working. Nobody has anything bad to say about him, but like, one of the guys on the coaching staff says, you know, he brought so much energy and had a lot of great qualities, but Boach obviously brings instant respect. You can see in his day-to-day interactions, he has things under control. He doesn't panic. He's been there. He has that experience. Players sense that. And it makes sense. I mean, I, I got to say, I thought it was kind of awesome that, that Chris Woodward actually is quoted in this article, has nothing bad to say, and even kind of realizes like, hey, you know, you got to reflect and realize nobody's perfect. I was a first-time manager. If there was anything I felt I maybe could have done different, how would I have known? And he's right. And, and that's where I think the frustration of the first-time manager sometimes, it, it comes into play because you sit there and he doesn't know that he's making mistakes or doing anything incorrectly because he's never done it before. Where Bruce Bochy has years and years of managerial experience. And I, I think it just timed out. Bochi came to this organization and this team at the moment they needed somebody like him to be here. No, I believe that. And that's the danger in hiring first-time managers and coaches uh, because there's a learning curve. And it doesn't matter if you have – it just doesn't matter. If you've never done the head coaching job before, it's just a learning curve, man. And you have to, um, you have to accept that when you hire the guy. Otherwise – you're going to drive yourself literally crazy. And so um, I think uh, Woodward was doomed from the beginning, uh, especially given the kind of team he had. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that team wasn't going to win for anybody uh, because uh, Woodward is probably saying, well, you know, fellas, if y'all gave me this team, I guarantee you I would have finished last in the American League West. I'd have been a contender. Uh, but he didn't get that opportunity. And uh, I think he's a good dude. And so I think that's why he didn't mind being quoted. And I think what he said was accurate. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because Bruce Bochy, I think there's this idea that he's old school and Rosenthal goes to then that in the article and they talk about the Rangers 30-year-old leader of their analytics and all that type of thing. Bobby Bandolo is his name and he, he thought, okay, this is going to be a bit of a battle and then he realized that Bruce Bochy embraces all of that. And, and I think his ability to adapt with the changes in the game and learn that and the challenges that are new now in 2023 that when he managed in 2019 didn't exist the open-mindedness to understand that yeah analytics work some some of it is gut some of it is instinct but it's all combined and he seems to be able to process and use all that which is why again i i absolutely loved the hire this is a guy that you can win a world series with he's shown that he can do that and the turnaround and the buy-in from the players i think it's evident that bruce bochi is a huge huge part of why this team is in first place right now what's the uh i mean what's what do you what's the best thing he's done this season in your opinion i think it's helping just the whole team to realize you know it kind of talks about this in the article 
that it's okay. And we, we've kind of talked about this. We were just talking about it before we got into this conversation. You're not going to win or lose the division in 10 games. And I think right. he's kind of got these guys to focus on just doing what you got to do each and every day and not so much get caught up in the idea of we're going through a, bra- a bad stretch. This is going to destroy us. And he, he seems to really embrace a lot of the youth as well. I mean, Josh Young's having a great season, Grant Anderson coming in, and some of the different things that they've tried to do. It just seems like he's got his finger better with a better understanding of the overall collective than anybody that's been with the Rangers in a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. I really like the way, uh, I like the way for better or for worse, he's given the guys that they broke camp with who maybe they eventually sent them down to the minors or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that he, he's really giving people an opportunity to fail before he sends them down. Like you can have one or two bad outings. You can have four or five bad outings, but he gives you a chance to, okay, you suck right now. Can you write your ship and get it back together? And he'll give you an opportunity to do that. And if you can't, when you get sent down, and here's what I'm talking about. When you get sent down, it matters whether you feel like you've gotten a fair shot or not or a fair opportunity to really do your best. And I think uh, it's weird, but I think he's really done that this year. And the way he's kind of mixed and matched with the bullpen and kind of now he's kind of figured it out that uh, the young fella, what's his name, Watson? Who's the brother who came up and struck out seven in his first appearance? Oh, Grant Anderson. So, you know, the way they use Grant Anderson, he came up, he got an opportunity right away. He succeeded. And so what's he been getting? More opportunities. Um, the other guy is, uh, how do you say his name? Soars, S-B-O-R-Z. Um, he's kind of moved into a into the into the bullpen where he's pitching the seventh and the eighth inning too. He struggled early, but he's been really good in his last six, seven appearances. Uh, you know, your closer situation is what it is, but he's been doing a pretty good job, I think, overall. And so now basically what I'm saying is you got a little stability in the bullpen. And if you can ever get LeClerc and a couple of those other guys to settle down and take care of the middle, now, now you're cooking with grease, as they say at the crib. Yeah, you'll be doing all right. But Bruce Bochy, man, I mean, again, 10th all-time in managerial wins, and you look at it, of the top 14 in wins all-time as managers, every single one of them is in the Hall of Fame except the three that are active with Dusty Baker, Bochy, and Terry Francona. Well, I mean, how do you argue with that? I mean, coaches matter, bro. You know, one of the dumbest things Jerry ever said was, you know, any one of 500 coaches could win the Super Bowl. Coaches matter. Because uh, we've seen it. We've seen good ones. We've seen bad ones. We've seen average ones. Doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Coaching matters. And if you got a good one, you got a chance, especially if you got a good team. We'll see what happens with the Rangers this year, but they're starting off. Obviously, it's been a lot of fun, and Bruce Bochy, a huge part of that. All right, so as we continue, let's tell you a little bit, of course, about Freeway Tire Shop. It's the place to go. You got a vehicle. Everybody's got a vehicle. You need oil change. You need a state inspection. You need new tires, whatever the case may be. Freeway Tire Shop is the place to go, man. It's where Jacques takes all of his cars. JR and his crew, the mechanic you can trust, they stand behind their work. They will take care of you at Freeway Tire Shop. No, man, it's JR and Freeway are great. I'm supposed to pick up my car tomorrow, as a matter of fact. It's been there for a week uh, because I had to order a couple parts for it. But the thing I like about JR and the reason I keep taking my cars over there is this. You can trust him to diagnose what the hell is wrong with your car. And then you can trust them to use quality parts to fix your car, which we all know not everybody does. Then you can trust them to charge you a fair price, and you can trust them to stand behind his work. 
I'm telling you, if your mechanic doesn't do all of those things, every last one of them, all four, then you need to take your car to Freeway Tire, which is off of uh, 35 and toward Denton. It's five minutes from downtown. You get off at Commonwealth. You go through the light. You look to the right. It's right there. You literally cannot miss it. It's that massive. And then, you know, trust your car to JR, and you'll be happy that you did. You will. It's easy to find. It's easy to check out, and they're online at FreewayTireShop.com. Also, of course, podcast brought to you by Flow Air, heating and air. It's hot in the DFW area, and they service the entire DFW area. Flow Air, heating and air, family and veteran owned. They've got over 16 years of experience. And don't forget, for this month of June, they're running a duct cleaning special. So you can call them, you can text them to find out more, 817-808-4115. You don't want to mess around, man. And and at some point this summer, if you find out that you've got an AC problem, you have a need, remember that number because Flow Air Heating and Air is a place that you need to call. And you can call them anytime and they can come take care of you. Now, check this out. I looked at the map the other day. We got seven straight days of high 90s or hundreds. Now's the time. Don't wait. I'm telling you from experience, sadly. Don't (laughs) wait. Get some maintenance done right now. Get your ducts clean right now. Get your system in tip-top working shape. Because I looked at Facebook the other day, and one of my boys was, anybody got a big fan I can use for the weekend? So I sent him Flo Air's number. Now, I don't know if he used it, but I sent the number. Because why? Hey, they got emergency service for situations just like his. It's the way to do it, man. It's When that happens to you in the middle of the night, in the weekend, whatever, 24-7 emergency service, they offer that with Flow Air Heating and Air. So give them a call. Shoot them a text, 817-808-4115. Let them know you heard about it right here on Jam Session. But right now, as we move forth, let's get into, I mean, this is going to be a lot of stuff here in the, in the trip around the block. Because I don't know how many people realize this on Saturday. It was June 17th. You go, oh, okay, so what? June 17th. Well, yeah, so what? It was the 29th anniversary of June 17th, 1994, a day in history that was so impactful and so crazy that ESPN, my life. yeah, and ESPN did a 30 for 30 on that date. <laughs> and some of you may remember, okay, okay, what? Yes, that is June 17th, 1994, the police chase of OJ Simpson. Now you might mean, well, how the hell does that change your life? Y'all got to remember, before I moved to Texas, in Dallas, in Oak Cliff, in August of 1977, where had I been living for the previous four years? I'd been living in Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. I was living in Buffalo, New York in 1973. What happened in 1973? O.J. Simpson broke the single-season rushing record, 2,003 yards. I remember distinctly watching that game against the Jets in my godmother's house with my with my mom, my godmother and her husband watching the game and I remember the play when he broke the record. I took a picture in the eighth grade on picture day wearing a white number 32 Buffalo Bills jersey. Man. So OJ on the chase accused of murder. That would be like if you grew up in Dallas and, and you were watching that with Emmett one day and you'd just be like, the hell? It's my guy. It's my hero. I can tell you anything about a rental James Simpson. Where he grew up in San Francisco, how he went to community college before he went to SC, because he was my guy growing up. 
Gosh, that that's so when this happens, because everybody, if if you are alive, I mean, I was 15 years old when this happened, and I remember it very, very well. My mom and dad, I mean, we're all just glued to the television once you realize what the hell, what, what is going on? What, what's your thoughts when this is happening as a hardcore OJ Simpson fan? Well, dude, I was in shock because check this out. You know me by now. I heard it with probably with Norm Hitzkiss in the morning. The day it happened, it was, oh, OJ Simpson is his wife was murdered and, uh, you know, there's some investigation going on, and that's when the news first broke. And then, you know, I'm just stunned. It's like, because what is OJ, what is the picture of OJ that everybody's got? Mm-hmm. This clean-cut all-American heroes, great football players, announcer, an actor, a renaissance guy. The last guy in the world you think would be involved in something like this. Um, but what makes a day really wild is, so I'm dealing with all the just emotions of one of your childhood heroes being in this situation you're just like it just can't possibly be but that i remember distinctly that that day i want to say and we can look it up see how good my memory is i want to say the rangers were playing the a's because that was the day i'm pretty sure one of the two guys got called up and it might have been both of them it was either rusty greer or darren oliver or both of them because i was in the rangers clubhouse and everybody's glued to the TV. And that was my small talk with one of those two guys. I want to say it was Darren Oliver. That was my small talk with him that day. Like, can you believe this shit? And uh, we became boys then. <laughs> and we were boys uh, ever since then. Uh, same thing with Rusty Greer. I'm pretty sure that was either that was the day he got caught up or it was right before then. Because, again, I'm a young guy. They're young guys. It's something for me to talk about while we're all watching this in the clubhouse going, this is insane. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, just such a surreal moment. But, I mean, obviously, I didn't know OJ. I, I was aware. I knew he was an athlete and a great running back and all this. But for me, in my lifetime, OJ Simpson was more of a dude that you saw in commercials and a guy that you saw, like, on broadcasts and in movies, like The Naked right, Gun right, and that right. type of thing. But everybody knew who OJ Simpson was. Everybody. Right. And watching that play out, man, was just so surreal when you're watching this white Ford Bronco on a massive freeway in LA and there's nothing behind them, but a line of cops (laughs) like that's, that's an image. I don't know that anybody who saw that live, you'll never forget that because it's like, it's like what you see in a movie. It, it, It was like you were watching a movie, but you knew it wasn't that it was actually taking place that here's this super famous dude driving down the freeway in LA and there's no cars on the road, except a lot like literally in every lane behind them is cops with their sirens on. Got to tell you, my memory's pretty good. They lost to the uh, Oakland Athletics 4-2. to two. God, man, that is wild. And, and, and you know what else <laughs> happened on that day, and this is what's so crazy and why they did a documentary on it, was Arnold Palmer was playing in his final ever round at the U.S. Open. And it, it, what's crazy is that Arnold Palmer and O.J. Simpson had been in a Hertz commercial together in the 1970s. It was also the beginning of the 1994 World Cup that was hosted for the first time ever by the United States. The New York Rangers had won the Stanley Cup and had their ticker tape parade on Broadway on that same day. In Game 5 of the 1994 NBA Finals between the Rockets and the Knicks was coming on, and it was one of those things. It was on NBC where most of the NBC affiliates split coverage of the game of the NBA Finals (laughs) And the freeway chase with O.J. Simpson. Unbelievable, huh? I mean, it's 
Yes, it is unbelievable. It is. It is absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> it was a wild day, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's just hard to believe it. It's hard to believe that that whole thing in history actually happened. Like the whole situation with it, the chase, the murders, the, his whole involvement or whatever anybody believes. I have a hard time believing he didn't kill them. I, I tend to believe that he's 100% guilty, but do we really know? We don't, are we ever really going to know? No, and that's the weird part about it is that we'll never really know. It just, uh, I don't know. I always say he had something to do with it. I don't, I don't know the level of his involvement, but I would just be shocked if he had nothing to do with it. I just, I mean, look, reality of it is he also hasn't done himself any favors with everything that has happened since then. Nope, 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 nope. At all? That's where, I mean, it's really, really wild that this dude wrote a book called If I Did It. <laughs> I mean, who would write a book like that? I, I You know, I, I just... If you didn't do it, why would you write a book? Well, I didn't do it, but if I did, this is what would have happened. I mean, what are we doing, man? Nobody, I don't know. I just It's hard for me to believe anybody with good sense would write a book like that. I, I, it's, I, you try yeah. your best to stay away from it. <laughs> that, that whole situation with all of that and what he has become after what he was I, I mean, you know, like and somebody like, like a, a pariah. Now, you know, right. Now yeah. Just like a, I mean, it's just uh, it's it's very disappointing for me because I told you, you know, my background growing up and obviously you could never look at them the same. You can never really. I mean, it's just it's like a part of your childhood died because you could never relate to those memories because, you know, he's such a vile person these days. And uh, and it's what I mean, like just the other day. I went and watched highlights of somebody's career. Oh, I went and watched highlights of Randy Moss's career. Why? Because Randy Moss popped in my head. I was like, let me get on YouTube and just remember how good Randy Moss was. Yeah. And I did, and I did that with Deion Sanders, too, Man. because I saw something on Twitter. And I was like, sometimes, especially these guys who you saw play, you just have to go back and look at the highlights again and just be like, this shit is crazy how good these guys were. And so I'm saying you can't do that with OJ because there ain't no fun to watch him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, there's, you can't have any joy because you're like, dude, you're a murderer. Oh, okay. Speaking of that, you know what took me down that rabbit hole? What? I think I told you last time, and I have a habit of doing this. It's kind of what I love about the world we live in today is I was watching the uh, game between the Giants and the Cowboys in 93. Like, like it was happening right now. Like I didn't know the results and all this other stuff. And then they punted the ball and Dave Meggett returned the punt. And I was like, Dave Meggett, Man. didn't he get in trouble? And so I Googled Dave Meggett and then I looked at his, some of his highlights and then I read his story and I'm like, oh my God. And Dave Meggett is serving like a 30 year sentence for rape. Jeez. And um, like he's currently serving that sentence. And I went back and I was reading, I was like, you know, he was so great and he was a little bitty guy, but then he had all these issues and that got me down this, this like I said, I saw some of his highlights and then I went to Randy Moss and then I went to uh, uh, the other dude just because, you know, you can do that now with the flick of a button. Yeah, that's, 
you can go down a rabbit hole. There is no doubt. Dude, I do that all the time. Whether I'm watching sports or reading something, I end up Googling somebody highlights or more stories, and I can burn an hour quicker than anybody you know. Apparently so. <laughs> you can get caught up in that man, go right down the rabbit hole. Uh, bro, it's crazy. It's fun that you could do it, but it's still crazy. So the other thing I wanted to throw out, because you sent this story as well, and this is wild, and it's actually genius. So this bride named Madison Mulkey apparently recently got married, and she got married in Savannah, Georgia, and she revealed how she saved a bunch of money because she had the reception catered by Chili's. And it cost her less than $2,000 to feed 99 guests. Not bad. Not bad at all. 25 meal. This is actually really smart. Uh, Is your lady friend going for that? There's no way in hell. I was going to say, because I mean, really, dog, you can feed them with Chick-fil-A and they'd all be happy. I mean, this is pretty nice. She says, so her wedding party had to pick up the food at 11 a.m. when the reception was at six because they didn't want to pay for delivery fees. (laughs) All right. I mean, you know what? This isn't too bad, man. She said we had to have our hired servers help out and do some things they weren't supposed to do, but everyone, you know, did it. And I mean, look, there, there's way worse food than chilies in the world. And, and I got to be honest with you, I've been to weddings that probably paid a ton of money to have whatever venue come to them, and I'd probably rather would have eaten chilies. I'm trying to remember... And I feel badly because I don't remember what I ate at either one of my weddings. It's a valid, that's a valid point. Hmm. And that's why you should take that into consideration when you're doing yours. I mean, who Uh, remembers the food at a wedding? That's not why you're going to a wedding. Right. But I do remember what he called the rehearsal dinner food uh, for my second wedding because I didn't, I don't think I did that for my first one. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, that was 30 years ago. I can't remember the first one. It was a long time ago. Although she's a wonderful person. Well, there you go. I'm glad. In case somebody says something, I'm not taking shots at her by any stretch. All right. Uh, But the second one I remember was great because uh, one of my boys in in town, a guy named DC, who probably still owns a catering business, but he he had a restaurant and he got rid of the restaurant and just did straight catering. He used to cater the food for the Cowboys once or twice a week for the players, and he was a soul food spot, and he gave me a great deal. Much like JR. It was, it was a little pricey, but it was a great deal for what it was. And that food was, see, I remember that food because that food was sensational. Um, so if I had been smart, I just would have served that at the wedding too. My brother Mark, when they got married a few years ago, they had some good food. It, it, and I'm trying to think, I don't know that I've ever been to a wedding where they serve you, but I've been, I mean, you know, like a table service. Right. But I've been to a, a bunch of weddings where they have like a buffet where you walk through like my friend Conrad who works on the show, he got Larry. That's the last wedding I went to. And that was last October. And they had one of those where it was kind of like a line that you just kind of walk through and the people would put the meat on your plate or whatever. Right. Seems pretty typical. I would say, and that was solid. I mean, it was fine. I, I wasn't, you know, it just seems more like cafeteria food. And, and that's what's so crazy like that. Like, maybe you are better off going through an option like this where you can order some chicken tenders or something from Chili's. Dude, I think uh, it depends on, it depends on who the people are, meaning if you're kind of a laid back crew or whether you really want to be hoity toity. Yeah. Uh, but if you're if you're a laid back crew or, you know, people who eat normal stuff most of the time and you're not worried about what people say, 
you probably, I'm telling y'all, you're probably better off thinking, what is my favorite restaurant or my favorite kind of food and serving that there? Like, you know, like I've got a couple of people. What if I said, you know, I'm thinking you're in Texas. Dude, if I served barbecue for the wedding, yeah, y'all would be happy. Yeah, I, I mean, if, honestly, if it was quality, if it was Smokey John's barbecue, oh yeah, and that's what we we're serving for, the, you'd be happy. I would because, be yes, I I, I yeah. would be happy. I because everybody would like it. Yeah, and, and I've never been. Look, I don't have any problems with that. I think I swear, maybe one of my cousins got married and had like an uppy type wedding like that. It seems like I've been to one or two where the food was on a higher level. But again, to your point, I I can't tell you what it was. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. And the problem with catered food in general, I'm talking about when it's like traditional uh, wedding catering food. The problem, in my opinion, is that because you're cooking it at that kind of mass quantity, they don't really season it all that much because they're not yeah, seasoning the taste. They're keeping it somewhat in the middle so that everybody will like it. Well, when you go to whatever your favorite spot is, they're just going to bring how they do it which to me is always better because normally if you're ordering from them, they're a very successful restaurant. So how they do it is really well. And so, you know, you get off like that. Yeah. So maybe if somebody else out there is getting married, you too could have Chili's cater your wedding for under $2,000 for 99 people. That's a pretty damn good deal. Dude, how about, how about, I just had a crazy thought. This would be a funny, a funny thing. We'll have to talk about this one day about pranks. Maybe we'll talk about it uh tuesday okay but but what if you went to a wedding and as a prank you uh you had your own food with you like everybody's going through the little buffet line and come back with the table and you pull out of your pocket a couple of ziploc bags with some ribs and some some mac and cheese and you have it out there and you say oh I, you know wedding food's usually not pretty good so we, we just brought our own seems like it'd be kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh the reason i wanted to talk about pranks is I've been watching some YouTube stuff or Twitter or whatever. These pranks on people who don't know you are just insane, man. And I promise you, somebody's going to die one day yeah. soon because of these silly ass pranks that they're pulling. Yeah, in today's world, I don't know that I would mess with stuff like that because there's a very good chance that somebody's just going to blow you away. Yeah, whether they're mad or whether right. they're surprised. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's packing. You have to assume everybody's got a gun with them these days. Like, uh, really? Yeah. You just have to assume that they got a gun. I mean, people are and, shooting people for way less reasons than the stuff that they're doing in these pranks. Yeah, and these pranks are so over the top, man. Yeah, man. I'm just like, y'all are crazy. Yeah, they're a little out of control. Yeah, have you? I guess I've started. Have you seen the one where people are now just walking into people's houses? Yes, I have seen that. And if you, I would say if you're doing that in the South, especially in Texas, you, there is a 50, 50 chance they will blow you away, bro. It's just crazy. It's crazy. I, I don't know. I mean, that's gotta be, that's the gotta be in an area seeking. where they don't have weapons. Yeah. Like the Dakotas or something somewhere, man, <laughs> like Canada or somewhere, because there's no way people are doing that in Texas. No, bro. Yes. I don't know. I, I've seen so much of it lately. I've just flabbergasted is a good word. I mean, I got to be honest with you, man. If somebody came into my house and just, I mean, not that they'd be able to because we have the door locked and whatnot, but say they did and just walked into my house and we're walking around, I, I, I would probably attack them. And ask questions later. I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd be like, what are you doing in here? And depending, you know, I mean, it'd, it'd be... 
Like, why are you just walking around my home? I mean, I try not to do anything too violent, but my, my first thought is you're not supposed to be here. Protect my family. Yeah. Or, you know, that stuff where they come up to you at the grocery store and they yeah. smack you on the back of the head and they look around. Like, I just don't, I don't get it, man. <laughs> it's a very bizarre thing. I don't get it. And it's, uh, I'm telling you, somebody's going to die within the next year on a prank like that doing something stupid and we're all just going to be like I can't it'll happen you lost your life trying to get more followers and get some clout on instagram or twitter or tiktok it's all about those likes man and it's just so stupid yeah it is and i'm not an old man either We've like lost our I, minds I, I, I like a good joke but this stuff is just crazy bro. it is you mentioned Smokey Johns, and I can tell you this, man. They probably would actually be more than happy to cater your wedding. And <laughs> you think? They could probably, you're just like, yes, I'd like to order 99 jam session bowls. <laughs> That'd be kind of awesome, and that would feed everybody at your wedding. And I will tell you this. So Smokey Johns over there off Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas. The barbecue was phenomenal. And as a matter of fact, we had a guy who sent us a message on Instagram, CJ Smith, who said, drove down from Durant, Oklahoma to check out Smokey John's, <laughs> got the jam session bowl. He sent us a picture of it and he says, did not disappoint. What do we tell y'all all the time? Nobody has ever eaten the jam session bowl and said anything other than it was sensational. Because it is. It, you, I mean, dude, it's impossible to mix up, I mean, mess up because of this. It starts with either macaroni cheese or a mashed potato base. Right there, you're winning. You're winning right there. Then you, you get to pick two out of five smoked meats. Most of the time, I go for the brisket and the sausage. Right then, you're still winning. You can't lose. Maybe you want the chicken and the sausage. Maybe you want the chicken and the brisket. Maybe you want turkey and chicken. You can't miss with whatever you pick because it's all good. Then what do they do? All the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, chives, bacon bits, sour cream, butter, cheese. They throw it on top. Mm. Then they say, hey, you can ask. Drizzle it or drench it with the sauce. You know, that sauce Matt, Matt drinks out the bottle. Uh, 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 that yeah. sauce. And then they present it to you. Dude, you cannot mess it up. So... If you got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat off of it, no problem, real talk. If it's just two of y'all, you can still kill it, and you're both full. And if it's just one person, hey, I salute you if you eat it all. But most folks take a little bit home with them, or they have it for another meal later, because it's just that much food. But the Jam Session Bowl is sensational, and guess what, people? It's only on the secret menu. That's right. Not everybody knows about it. So you can get up there and order it. And Matt has seen it in person. I've seen it in person. People start looking around. Hey, what is that? What is that? Yeah, they yeah, do. What do I, that. I don't see that on the menu. That happened the last time I ordered one. A couple black women. Hey, uh, what is that? That, that? that doesn't look like anything on the menu. Now, y'all know me. I walked over. I said, I'm a celebrity. So this is special <laughs> for me. That's awesome. I bet you <laughs> I did said, say that, too. <laughs> yeah, I damn sure did. I said, but let y'all in a little secret. I know the owners. So, don't be telling a lot of people, but when you get up here, just say, I want the jam session bowl. She said, the jam, that jam session bowl. I said, now don't tell nobody else, all right? Remember, I'm a celebrity. I'm just letting you in on my life mm -hmm. and how I live and how I get down. And then they started laughing. 
And uh, but yeah, they ordered it. I assume it was great. I would imagine it was. Join it, man. It's the Jam Session Bowl at Smokey John's Barbecue. Go support them. They're right there. They're local. Good dudes, too. You will absolutely love that. So a couple other things to throw out here before we wrap this up as we are recording this on Father's Day, and we've got some things we'd enjoy doing other than yeah. doing the podcast, which we also enjoy doing. You know. So you, were, you wanted to bring up the shirt that I was wearing that I wore. And look, 99% of the time I'm wearing a hat and a brewery T-shirt, but there are times when the lady likes me to dress up a little bit more and and so we this is that picture that you saw was when we were at the taylor swift concert in nashville oh, okay okay and so you know women and this is really interesting i mean women dress up to go to concerts oh yes they do bro like her whole outfit so taylor swift is her favorite artist and she was on the eras tour which she's currently on which is her singing songs from every one of the albums that she's ever released Right. Well, she wore an outfit that was an ode to the Lover album that she put out a while back. Oh, wow. Who, so that's who she really? Yeah, no, she like she chose her stuff, like the colors and what she was wearing as a tip of the hat to the Lover album. And so she was like, you, don't wear a T-shirt, wear something else. And I was like, you know what? So I've got this short sleeve button up shirt that's actually I, that shirt that you saw. Those are like birds that are on that shirt, believe it or not. Is that right? Yeah. It was pretty snazzy. It's a snazzy shirt, and it was purchased for me by her dad in Memphis (laughs) at the Peabody Hotel from Lansky Brothers, which are the same guys in the tailors who made Elvis's clothes originally, and that's what got them famous because Elvis only had his clothes made by the Lansky Brothers. Wow. Yes. I love that. So that is a Lansky Brothers shirt, and I love it. I mean, I wear it from time to time. I don't overdo it. I mean, I'm... Yeah, no, it's too powerful. You can't wear that shirt all the time. No, you can't wear that shirt all the time, but that is a snazzy shirt. It's a fine-looking shirt, and it feels good, too. Fits well, looks good, so from time to time, I'll bust that out. No, no, no. You look snazzy, and I didn't realize the the lady fiance's shirt, I mean, outfit was was an old. She looks snazzy, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I like to keep those comments personal just so <laughs> nobody gets any, any wrong ideas about, hey, you're looking at this woman. You'd be, yeah. So I just keep up. I stay out of that lane. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's wild, though, man. I mean, we at the concert, you'd see, I mean, whole, there was an entire row of girls, the row right immediately behind us, and they were all dressed up like something from Taylor Swift's albums. Yeah, and they had spent months figuring out. I what know, they were and I'm like, man, this is—I've never. It's never crossed my mind when I go to a concert to dress up like. But that's what these girls do, man. They're all about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, you know, especially if they're going with another group of girls or women, uh, you never know who you might run into at a concert. So you need to be looking at your best. Yeah, you never know, and then they'll go, "Oh my god, I love your earrings." Oh my god, that's from that one lyric. Blah blah blah. That's exactly what that is. And like, yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's what it is. So exactly. But that was a sharp looking shirt. I will agree with you. <laughs> and so the final thing that I'll throw out, and I'm curious to see if this happens today. And, and we don't know, of course, because the U.S. Open is wrapping up today, as it always does on Father's Day. And we are recording this well before the final round. And what's wild about this, because they are playing in California, the fourth round of the U.S. Open today, the the leaders do not tee off until 4.30 our time. That's pretty late, bro. I mean, that, that means that like around 8, 8.30, we will be watching the end of the U.S. Open tonight, which is crazy. I mean, it's probably great for CBS or whoever has it, NBC, I don't know, Fox, whoever has the, the U.S. Open, 
because that's like prime time on Sunday. Right, right, right. And I know a lot of people, I'm off tomorrow. I know a lot of people are off tomorrow because Monday is Juneteenth. So that's now a federal holiday. So a lot of people have off. And I'll be curious to see if the ratings go up. But one thing is, man, this leaderboard, who knows who's going to win? But there are seven golfers within five shots of the lead, including Ricky Fowler, Rory McElroy, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schauffele, and Dustin Johnson. Should be a great race because, you know, the U.S. Open is all about the, the course being treacherous. And uh, even though the scores were low the first couple of days, you know, it doesn't take much for you to uh, throw a snowman out there, have a double bogey. No and, doubt. And, and you were right there and now you're not. And it's crazy because Ricky Fowler, who is tied for the lead and has been leading all three days. This is a dude. He's now 34 years old. I think we all remember, you know, he, he came on the tour and he was wearing those crazy clothes and bright colors and had the long hair and all this. Right. He has 12 top 10 finishes in majors. He has finished tied for second. I'm trying to think, I think three or four times. And he has another tied for third at majors. And he has never won one. Damn. And he's got a shot now with, with 12 top 10 finishes in majors and eight top five finishes in majors. He now has a chance, perhaps, to pick up his first ever major, and that would be cool. I'm rooting for him. I, I hope he can pull it out. That'd be nice to see. If not him, then maybe Scotty Scheffler gets another one, Dallas resident. Maybe Roy McElroy gets another one, which no. is wild. I mean, Rory's playing some damn good golf. I should have picked him in our challenge. Oh, well. He's just mad. I think he is, Matt. I mean, Rory, you know, that's what's crazy is that Rory comes on the scene, and he's got the four majors right now, and he hadn't won one since 2014. And everybody wow. thought when he had those, oh, here, this dude's going to win double-digit majors. And it's been nine years since he last won a major. He hadn't won the U.S. Open in 12 years. He last won it in 2011. That's a long time, bro. It is. And, I mean, obviously, he's the face of the PGA Tour now. So we'll see if he can get it done, man, for those of you that are into golf. But if you're like Jacques, I doubt you will watch a single moment of it. Now, y'all going to have to tell me about that on Monday morning. <laughs> I'll read about it on Monday and we will do that. We will have some more episodes this week. We'll have to figure out later in the week because I'll be traveling. We're driving back to Arkansas to kind of meet halfway with my son's mom. And after having him for a month, he will be headed back to Texas next weekend. So we'll figure that out. But I hope everybody has a wonderful week. If you're off on Monday, enjoy the holiday. Have a, a, a nice three-day weekend. We will check in with you again coming up on Wednesday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.